0: Before he made his mark on football, Nate Boyer was a Green Beret in the U.S. Army. After multiple tours in Iraq and Afghanistan, he began to think about the next phase of his life.
1: I was actually in Iraq on a deployment when I made the decision to go back to college and play football, or least try to play football. I thought I was going to be a safety or a wide receiver at times, A plan he had set his mind to. Started training differently in the weight room, between missions and whatnot, and even running routes out in the sand and uh, doing speed work when I could. When he got back
0: to the United States, he continued training at the National Strength and Conditioning Association in Colorado Springs, an organization with ties to training Olympians. It
1: was really cool, I mean I had high class training, the best there is. One of my strength coaches, a guy named Rob Rogers has been a strength coach at USC and Missouri and Baylor and all the other places. And beyond that, I was kind of studying different ways to improve my speed and agility and, you know, trying to like develop more fast twitch muscles and all that kind of stuff.
0: After his training, Boyer was admitted to the University of Texas and successfully walked onto the football team as a safety. He was just like any other freshman, without a scholarship, and dreams of gridiron glory. The only difference was, Boyer was nearly 30 years old.
1: I quickly discovered no matter how hard I trained, I just wouldn't have the speed to get off the scouting. And I wouldn't be able to play at that level. with those guys, and not only the learning curve of the sport, I just wasn't gifted in that way. You know, I didn't have that type of, the type of speed and power. Just, there's no way I would have played meaningful snaps in the field. And that's what I wanted to do. But Boyer wasn't the kind to give up started looking around the team and trying to identify a need for me, a place for me. And honestly, special teams was the first thing that made the most sense, maybe being on the kickoff team or something like that. But then I noticed starting long snapper with the senior that year. And to be honest, when I walked on the team, I didn't even know what a long snapper was. I assumed the guy that snapped the ball to the holder or the punter for kicks and punts was just the center. only just snapped a little bit longer.
0: He would soon find out that wasn't true, that long snapper is its own specialized position.
1: And so I started learning the craft of long snapping just through YouTube videos and watching other guys do it. And sort of like learning the grip from studying some online journals, like guys that played in the league for years, like Patrick Manley had these websites and stuff you could kind of look at. And then I'd watch all the Rubio long snap videos of these kids in high school and college and just try to Copy that technique. And he got better. It was just through repetition, he was doing it for months and months, and going back overseas in the summer and bringing a couple of footballs with me and just long snapping any free moment I had.
0: And in his sophomore year, he earned the starting short snapping job on extra points. His junior and senior year, he would go on to become the Longhorns' starting long snapper for field goals and punts as well. During his long snapping career at the University of Texas, Boyer snapped the ball over 500 times without one miss. He went from never playing football a day in his life to walking onto a blue blood program and successfully becoming their starting long snapper. That's why I think he's the perfect person to explain the art of long snapping. The art of field goal kicking wouldn't be possible without long snappers. To understand a kicker, you need to understand the entire process of making a kick. And what better example than someone who learned it from the ground up in a game as violent as football where top athletes fight tooth and nail for mere inches in an attempt to make the other physically submit how is it possible that winners and losers championships and dynasties can be determined by a kicker it doesn't add up and yet it's an essential element to the game i love i've spent the past few years fascinated by these athletes and tracking down some of the best to ever kick a football in search of what makes them succeed. Over 10 chapters, I'll do my best to explain the kicker position and what I believe it takes to make a champion. I'm Cole Weinstein, and this is Locked On Presents Through the Uprights, Chapter 5, Long Snappers. The first lesson that Nate Boyer had to learn
1: was being okay with the fact that you're probably going to suck for a little while. not going to be something that you just pick up right away. Even if you start out and you have a knack for it, like you develop developed that consistent accuracy and velocity and tight spiral. That takes time. It takes time and repetition. And I used to snap close to 100 balls a day when I was starting out, and 50 or more of them were bad snaps. Not kickable snaps for a while there.
0: But Boyer was okay with the struggle
1: that I just kept feeling it, kept doing it, and, and your body starts to remember what the good one feels like. That's how you develop that muscle memory. It just knows. It knows when it leaves your fingers, like, okay, that was spiral. Maybe it a little high, but that's how it's supposed to feel when I leave my hand. Well, so if that gets better, you start working on speed, you know, and then once you start to get that speed down and you're whipping it back there, then you really hone in on accuracy, you know, and putting it in that perfect spot.
0: Accuracy matters a lot, but it's not everything
1: can be a very accurate long snapper. you put it on the number every time whatever your target is but if you don't have a tight spiral a catchable ball and it's not quick it doesn't matter so i think personally that getting that spiral the feel of the spiral and then getting that velocity down are the first two boxes to check and then accuracy comes last
0: Then, once
1: you've figured out the basics... You have to do it under pressure. You have to do it in pads. It's awesome to do that, slick, as I call it, with just, you know, shirt shorts. But if you're not doing, if you can't do it in pads and a helmet, then it doesn't matter. It feels completely different.
0: When you're first starting out, snapping in a t-shirt and shorts helps you learn the fundamentals. But the game isn't played in a t-shirt and shorts.
1: You grip it the same, you roll it off your hands the same, it's the same movement with your body, the same follow through, all that's the same, but it feels very different. The timing may be slightly different.
0: A concept that Boyer was no stranger to.
1: I mean, that's one thing we do in the military quite a bit. Train lets you fight. So when we're on the firing range, practicing, we've got all of that heavy kit on, and we're sweating, and we're running around, our helmets on, and our Oakleys are fogging up. Someone's blowing a horn in our ear because we've got only a number of seconds to fire this weapon and then do a mag change, and then transition to your sidearm and then fire at these other targets. All those things make you a better warfighter.
0: And learning to snap in pads makes you a better long snapper.
1: If you're a great snapper without pads and helmets, to me, it, it just means you're a great snapper without pads and helmet. It doesn't mean you're a great long snapper in a football game. I need to see that too. If I was a coach, that's the first thing I would want to
0: see. And then you need to learn to snap the ball with laces out or close to it
1: the worst thing that you can see as you're approaching to kick the ball is the laces facing right at you. And good holders can spin it to where you, by the time you actually kick it, you're not kicking laces. But the snapper's ability to consistently deliver the ball with the laces pointing out is super helpful as far as just the whole operation going really smoothly.
0: Even if you have a good holder, as former Texas Tech kicker Alex Trelika put it, most aren't miracle workers. In my research, I found that the ideal operation time from snap to kick for most units ranged from 1.2 to 1.3 seconds. There's usually not enough time for the holder to do anything more with the ball than a quarter turn, especially at the college level. According to 23-year NFL kicking veteran John Carney, that's what made David Binn such a great long snapper.
1: David spoiled me, and I would say most snappers average about 60% perfect laces, and David was in the 90s, so it kind of gives you an idea of how consistent he was and above average he was compared to NFL snappers on the whole. The rest of my career, I didn't have anybody like David, so I was spoiled.
0: David Bin is the longest tenured player in Chargers history. He played 17 seasons in the NFL, all for San Diego nearly 270 games in his career, 179 of them being consecutive. He represents the gold standard of consistency in long snapping.
1: And David had a very good personality and composure for the job, very, very laid back, almost to the point of being comatose. David never got nervous, which was great, whether it was an extra point in the first quarter or a game-winning field in the fourth quarter that David was the least nervous guy on the field.
0: And that can be everything for a kicker especially former Charger Nate Kading.
2: He was just kind of the antithesis of me. I kind of came in a little bit more high-strung. But like you said, yeah, he, he was the beach bum guy. He kind of helped me calm down a little bit. So he, he was a great influence, and certainly an integral part of all the success we had out there so as a field goal team.
0: John Carney and Nate Kading are two of the best kickers of their generation, and both owe a lot to Ben during his time playing with them. Being calm as a long snapper is hard, especially in someone's first start like Boyer's.
1: I went out there and I didn't want to screw up. I didn't want to let my teammates down. And I go out there and I remember being over the ball and I wasn't hyper focused but like I should have been. The way I usually do it, and I looked back through my legs, legs, and I heard the crowd going and we just scored a touchdown and I sort of look at the holder in general. I didn't look at a very small specific <laughs> point. And the snap wasn't that bad. It was just, you know, but I didn't feel a tight spiral and it was a little bit low.
0: Boyer was taught where to look on snaps by Alex Zumberg, the previous starter for the Longhorns.
1: He would look at this little Nike check on the holder's glove on his front hand, and that was his little point. You know, for me, it was a a little bit different. I looked a little higher up on the glove hand, up where the golf was.
0: But Boyer didn't follow Zumberg's advice. The former Green Beret let his nerves get the best of him.
1: And I remember coming off the sideline, my like, first one, first opportunity I get, and I was so frustrated with myself.
0: That's when former Texas head coach Mack Brown took notice. You
1: know, he came up to me and was like, "What are you doing, man? You've been shot at in Afghanistan." He's like, "Don't worry about any of this stuff. Look back there and snap the football." He gave me an opportunity because he figured I wouldn't let the moment get the best of me. I'll tell you what, like it really stuck with me, him, him doing that, and it had an immediate impact. I went back in and I think I had eight more snaps that game and they were all just perfect. And Laces up and tight spirals, foot and a half off the ground, just perfect. And it was all because when I got in there, the rest of those snaps, I focused on that little piece of his glove and I had my grip and all I was thinking about was I was waiting for a signal to let that ball rip.
0: That moment helped to put things into perspective. I think
1: that's the only reason I made the team and we were on the team and try long snapping is I just was like, well, it's, it's been the worst. of have experienced much tougher things I and mean, the worst that can happen here or they get cut or they get benched or whatever nobody's gonna die and uh, that's kind of reassuring
0: Nate Boyer's unique perspective allowed him to truly understand the stakes of a sport like football that in turn, Helped him to understand the consistency needed to excel at his position.
1: You make a mistake, hey, that sucks, it's over, we can't change it. All we can do is fix our mistakes and move on to the next hit, or the next snap, or whatever. Dwelling on it's not gonna help. You may lose your job, yeah, but it is just a job. Don't don't make it too big of a deal.
0: Another fascinating example of consistency in long snapping came from former Lou Groza Award winner Brad Craddock. During his time at Maryland, he had a few different long snappers. But this was the one who interested me the most.
1: Didn't throw it through
2: spiral. It would spin upwards. But he never, it never wasn't that weird spiral. So he threw the same ball every single time, same timing, all the time, every day. And we got in such a good groove with him and my holder that the timing was so, so down. And he understood when to throw it and what to do. Now, he was never going to play past college and he knew that.
0: But he was able to get the job done each and every time especially at the college level, that's all you can ask for. A consistent snap that can be replicated over and over again without fail. It's a job that asks for perfection.
3: You know, it's one of those positions that if you're really good at it, everybody thinks you got a cake job. That's got to be so great to be just a snapper. I think at one point in time, used, they used to bother me. Then I finally realized, you know what, they say that because I make it look easy. And that's what I want to do. That's what I did my whole career. That's why I played 15 years. I took pride in the fact that my teammates could count on me and my coaches could count on me.
0: Kendall Gammon is considered one of the greatest long snappers in NFL history. If you thought David Bin's 179 consecutive game streak was impressive, Gammon started 218 in a row. He was able to do that in part because of a lesson that both Bin and Boyer learned.
4: You've got to be able to
3: roll the punches and understand. you just got to be kind of laid back to a degree to go through things because the minute you start putting too much pressure on yourself for every single thing, I think is the minute that, that maybe you start to crack a little bit.
0: Like with kickers, long snappers can't let the moment get the best of them. In a job that expects the same result every time, you need to deliver every time. And emotions or dwelling on the past prevents that from happening.
3: It does take hours and hours of physical preparation, but I think more importantly, it takes the mental preparation of being able to handle the grind, being able to handle the emotional stress of doing that over and over again, knowing that your job's on the line each and every time, being able to channel that stress into a joy also. You're competing to do it at a certain level and holding yourself to a certain standard.
0: When Gammon said this, he was speaking broadly about making it in the NFL at any position but I think this quote is especially poignant for the long snapper position. Nate Boyer got the chance to start for the Texas Longhorns in his 30s because long snapping is not sexy and most people didn't want to put in the hours to be great. There's a certain lack of vanity and embrace of the position that I can't help but admire, and it makes the times you are recognized that much sweeter. In 2004, Gammon was named his first and only Pro Bowl. He was added to the roster by his former Pittsburgh Steelers head coach Bill Cowher. Gammon was recognized as a pure long snapper.
3: It was something that I never would have thought would happen. And I forget who it was, but when I came in the locker room the first time, and one of the offensive linemen said, and he knew me, and said so it's about time they got you over here. And that just felt good. But, you know, somebody in another position, you know, validated me being there. I mean, I was okay with it no matter what, but it always feels good when people year-round appreciate you for that as well.
0: It feels good to be recognized, even if you've made a career out of being invisible.
3: Arguably, for four or five years during the middle of my career, by many, I was considered the best long snapper uh, at that time in the league. So, in effect, the best of my particular craft in the world. Now, as I joke, you know, albeit throwing a piece of aired up leather between my legs as fast and accurately as possible, I always say, only America can you do that and get paid for it. But the fact is, trying to do something to the best of my ability, and that's what I tried to do, you know, my whole career, and it, it paid dividends.
0: And not just for him.
3: When you look at the kickers and the percentages that they kick behind me, generally it was some of the highest percentages they ever had in their career.
0: Because that's ultimately the purpose of a long snapper. To help the specialist he's snapping to excel. I wouldn't be trying to understand this position if it weren't to better understand kickers. That's why I think this story is the perfect metaphor for Gammon's career as well as the long snapper position as a whole. Gammon recalled a game in late November of 2003 when his 9-1 Chiefs were rolling and looking towards a first-round bye in the playoffs. With only a few seconds left in the game, Kansas City was tied with the three-win division rival Oakland Raiders. The game came down to a 35-yard field goal to take the lead with just seconds left. The snap was perfect, so was the hold, and Morton Anderson nailed it to give the Chiefs the lead and the win. After the game, Gammon was with his two sons, Blaze and Drake, when he saw Anderson getting all of the attention from the media.
3: When I told him to turn around, I said, look, I said that's what happens when Daddy does his job. He helps somebody like Morton make the kick. He's getting interviewed, and he should, because that was a great job. But I have a satisfaction in knowing that I helped with that. And the fact is, I know that he's appreciative of what I did, and that's all that matters. And so I tried to use it as a learning moment.
0: And that's what being a long snapper is all about. Coming up... Someone still needs to catch that tight spiral. I'll explore what makes a great holder right after the break. When Brian Barker was on the varsity high school football team, being a placeholder was pretty simple.
1: Our kicker was a soccer player. He didn't really practice us throughout the week, but he just he came and played with us on Friday nights. He was good, and I held the ball the way he asked me to, not really knowing much about the position, other than it, it needed to be caught, and back then, you had to put it on a, a square piece of rubber, a block that they used for field goal central points. I was pretty good at that without you know, looking at it too much.
0: Barker walked on at the Santa Clara University football program and held again. He was also the team's full-time punter. In college, he improved as a holder simply because of familiarity.
1: I helped our kicker, Doug Davidovich. By default, again, we, worked, we spent so much time together. And athletically, it, it just gave the team the option of having a former backup quarterback in a position where if math was not perfect or something happened where we couldn't get the off, there would be some options.
0: Being a small school specialist, it took Barker a few years to find a spot on an NFL roster. He bounced around from the Broncos to the Seahawks, and in 1990, finally earned a starting punter and holding job with the Kansas City Chiefs. That's when he met the team's star kicker, Nick Lowry, who had already been playing pro football for over a decade.
1: Nick was the ultimate professional, an absolute perfectionist, and he had me do some things that I had never even considered, nor did I think were right, but they certainly were good for him. I think he went to the Pro Bowl twice during my four years in Kansas City as his holder.
0: One of those two years being Barker's first on the team. Brian Barker spent 16 seasons in the NFL as a punter, and more importantly for this chapter, as a holder. He's worked with numerous kickers over the years, including Lowry, to start his career. He spent years perfecting the craft of holding, which like long snapping is essential to making any kick. A good holder can make all the difference. Now back to exactly what Nick Lowry wanted from his new holder. Barker was right-handed and naturally held the ball with his right hand up to that point.
1: The first couple of kicks, the ball just really smacked my fingers as it was leaving. And I realized that I would have to now change from holding the ball with my right hand to holding the ball with my left hand. So it was an easy transition, but that was something new. A professional kicker like Nick got the ball up in the air a lot quicker and at a much greater angle than any of the kickers I've held before.
0: That wasn't all.
1: With the wind at Arrowhead Stadium, Nick would say, listen, all right, the wind's coming from the left. I want you to lean the ball forward and into the wind. So lean it left. And to me, that just is not the way you're supposed to hold a football. It should be either straight up and down or maybe a little back. And Nick taught me early on, the ball is not straight up and down. It's generally leaning slightly forward and towards the direction of where the wind is coming from. So if you're kicking into the wind or you lean forward even further, if you're kicking into a crosswind from the right, you lean the ball further to the right and a little forward.
0: After Barker's four years in Kansas City, he played a single season for the Eagles, where he held for another NFL kicking
1: veteran, Eddie Murray. He'd just come off a Super Bowl win with the Cowboys the year before. He was one of the senior kickers in the NFL. I think he was maybe a year or two older than Nick. And he had his way of doing things. His position was just put it down. You know, don't obviously don't wing it back, but he didn't have the same requests as Nick had.
0: They still practiced angling the ball for kicks on windy days, but Murray wasn't as worried about the precision.
1: Like he naturally would adjust, however, the ball was held.
0: Within his first five years in the league, Barker held for two of the greatest kickers to ever play in the NFL. Both are in the top 25 all-time for most field goals made. Yet what they needed from their holder was different.
1: I would say that Nick, to me, was more tactical. He was very specific in his routine, right down to, you know, a stick of gum that he had to have from the equipment manager so that he could chew a little bit before he ran out the kick. He had a routine that he would do absolutely the same way every time.
0: And so he needed a holder that would give him the same thing every time, exactly how he liked it. That's one of the reasons he retired with the most field goals made and highest percentage in NFL history.
1: Eddie was extremely focused, extremely confident. You didn't see Eddie walk up to where my finger would be on the ground and take a couple steps back and then take a couple steps over and really focus and get settled and then say, okay, I'm ready. Eddie would literally run out there. I'd be on the ground with my finger at the spot where I was going to put the ball and he'd just kind of find a spot back there and just say, okay, I'm ready.
0: Quite a different experience from a tactician like Lowry.
1: It was a little funny at first because I felt like, are you really ready? not really do anything to make it look like you're ready. No, I'm ready. And sure enough, my test is all. He goes through kicks it and made a lot more than he missed for sure.
0: Two kickers in the top 20 all-time in field goals made with two completely different approaches. Yet, they both had success with Barker as their holder because he understood a fundamental truth of the position. You need to adapt to what your kicker needs. With a long snapper, there's a set blueprint for success. Snap a tight spiral to your holder, who is often a strategic distance away, in order to get the ball laces out. For the holder who has to catch that ball, what he does depends on the needs of each kicker. This is Chapter 6, Holders. Brian Barker gave me his own set of four rules that he felt were essential to succeeding at the
1: position. First is you gotta catch the snap.
0: Pretty simple. If the holder doesn't catch the snap, then there's no way the kicker has any chance to make the kick.
1: I think I had a reputation of being able to catch anything. I got a lot of accolades for that, simply because many of the kicks may not have been made if I didn't catch the snap, whether it was on the ground, up high, inside or outside.
0: And that can be the difference between points on the board or not. Barker meant what he said about catching everything, too. Here, he talks about what he believes is the most amazing kick he's ever been a part of. At this point, he's on the Jaguars holding for young kicker Mike Hollis.
1: And the ball was snapped way, way to my right and on the ground. I had to pull everything I had to turn to my right, that's the ball, and I trapped it. When I brought it back around to the spot, the ball, instead of Having a good grip on it, I put it down and it was laying flat like, you know, a loaf of bread.
0: Barker attempted to put the ball back in a kickable position, but Hollis was already there and ready to swing his leg.
1: And I realized there's no way he's going to make the kick, so I was about to grab the ball and run with it and he kicked the ball with barely a finger on it of mine and this ball helicoptered over the line of scrimmage and went through the goal post. It was probably the greatest kick I've ever been a part of.
0: That kick was successful for two reasons. Barker caught the ball no matter what, and because of the second rule.
1: You have to convince your kicker that you're going to catch every snap.
0: Barker held for Hollis during the kicker's rookie season and taught him a lot about the game. First and foremost, always trust your holder.
1: And he truly bought into the whole concept of don't ever stop, the ball's gonna be there, just go be the kick.
0: And because of that, when Barker recovered the snap, Hollis was in a position to make the kick, despite less than ideal placement. This is essential to success. Lou Groza Award winner Brad Craddock agrees.
2: There's got to be a trust that you believe they're doing the best they can do. And as long as you're there and they make a mistakes, you can overcome most mistakes, right? If you have a guy that you completely trust and you know where the ball's going to be and he's doing the right thing by you, it makes your life a lot easier, that's for sure.
0: So does pro football Hall of Famer Morton Anderson.
2: It begins and ends with trust. Trust you acquire and you earn. Through, you know, powerful communication, I have to tell Kendall and Dan Strasinski, my holder in Kansas City, I have to tell them what I need from them to get me to the highest level, and I need them to tell me the same. What, what, do you, what do you need from me to get you to the highest level? And then let's figure out what it is, and let's do that every time.
0: Former University of Florida kicker Bobby Raymond would actually take the time to work with his holder to test out these less than ideal situations.
4: Every now and then I'd tell the holder, put the ball on the tee sideways, just lay it on his side. Let me see if I can get it through. Put it on the ground, let me see if I can get it through. Let's practice the worst case scenario. I'd tell him, turn the laces straight back at me. Let me kick it with the laces.
0: This was all done to feel prepared for every possible situation, as well as build trust in yourself and teammates. Practicing any scenario gave Raymond hope that he could succeed even if something went horribly wrong. Pro Football Hall of Fame nominated kicking coach Doug Blevins does a great job highlighting what makes a good holder and how that holder can create trust with his kicker.
2: My thought has always been a guy with good hands, can catch the ball, get it down, and, and never pick it up and move the spot. But the big thing that I focus on is does my kicker like him? Because he's comfortable with it. Who do you want to hold for you?
0: In order to trust someone, you first have to like and respect them. Barker and Hollis can't turn that bad snap into points unless those two men like and respect each other. Blevins also touched on Barker's third rule.
1: You gotta hit the spot. If the ball's not on the spot, their whole entire motion is based on where the ball's gonna be sitting.
0: Kicking is a violent and fluid motion. There's no time to wonder about where the ball's going to be. The ball just needs to be there. If not, it throws off the entire process. Another thing I found interesting about the holder position is it's never someone's primary position. That used to be the case with long snappers, but now the majority of teams college and up have their own specific guy for that. The holder is someone like Brian Barker who is more well known for his punting career than holding for guys like Nick Lowry, Eddie Murray, or Mike Hollis. But that doesn't mean his role isn't
1: essential to success. He's the last one touching the ball before you kick it, so he's playing a very important role.
0: That's John Carney who's fifth all-time in field goals made. In his career, holders played one of two positions.
1: Most holders are either a backup quarterback or the starting punter, so they have other things on their mind as well. But when they come out for that field goal extra point, they need to be locked in, focused on catching the ball cleanly, getting it down on the spot, getting the proper lean and getting laces forward. And That's not easy to do. They make it look real easy. It's not easy to do. That's a
0: lot for a secondary position. I also think it's worth restating that Barker was not only a successful punter in the NFL, but a backup quarterback in high school.
1: The advantage of having a punter is that he's available during the week with you for a ton of reps. During the course of practice, he's with you most of the time. You're helping him with his punt training. He's helping you with your kick training, your training together. So you get a lot of reps, and you can really build that comfort zone with him because he's available to practice with.
0: That makes a lot of sense. Specialists are often on an island during practice, unlike members of the offense or defense.
1: Quarterbacks are extremely busy during practice. You may get him a little bit before practice or after practice. During practice, he's busy all practice playing quarterback, so you lack the opportunity to get as much work with him during the course of the week that you would get with a punter.
0: But in Carney's experience, the backup quarterback brought something else valuable to the position.
1: What I do like about a quarterback is when you step on the field during the game, he is in total control of that offense. He's accustomed to and has coached and been with that offense, the offensive line, the tight end. He's had those guys in the huddle all week long. Whether he's a backup quarterback or starter, he's very comfortable telling those guys when to line up and how to line up. And he's comfortable talking to the ref asking for a new 25-second clock or asking for a new ball or timeout, whatever he needs to do. He's used to being the general on the field, which is nice to have him in control, where you don't have to take over that role as a kicker when you enter the field.
0: That was something Nick Lowry experienced firsthand during his brief stint in Washington.
1: Joe Tyson holding four knees. It was kind of cool. Joe Tyson was so cool good teammate, positive if you're not one of these guys, oh look who are you? What are you, no he made me feel comfortable.
0: Like Barker the punter said before, your job as a holder is to convince the kicker you are in control of everything. All they need to do is focus on their process and make the kick. That's naturally a trait that quarterbacks have to develop in order to be successful at their primary position but that trait can be developed through experience as well. While Barker had experience at quarterback in his youth, he made his bones as a punter and found his own confidence. Bobby Raymond also had a punter hold for him while at Florida and experienced a similar type of confidence.
4: Ray Criswell, he was recruited at the University of Florida as a quarterback. He was an All-State quarterback and an All-State punter. When he got to Florida, we had so many good quarterbacks there. He's like, you know what, I'm just going to focus on punting. Ray was a guy like that who was calm. He was used to leading his team.
0: Raymond recalled his first start at the end of the 1982 Florida Gators season when backup Bob Huco held for him in the Blue Bonnet Bowl.
4: First kick he sent to me as we were out on the field, lining up for my first field goal, he said, just like practice, Bobby, just like practice. Just trying to calm me down, making sure I was relaxed. And he's trying to relax me, just like he would do as a quarterback of the team, kind of things he's gonna say to guys in the huddle.
0: And former high school quarterback and Florida punter Ray Criswell did the same thing
4: saying something short and sweet to try to make you relax. That's an important part of it. I think quarterbacks do that naturally, but I think, you know, I've definitely seen our punters. The guy I had, Ray, was phenomenal. I had just as much confidence in him as I would in anyone.
0: Because in the end, it isn't as much about the position as it is the command and confidence it takes to be a successful holder.
4: I've been fortunate to have some great
1: quarterbacks as holders and some great punters as holders. And again, they, you know, possess different attributes as pros and cons to having each position hold for you. But I've been very fortunate to have great holders that played both positions.
0: But those aren't the only two positions I heard about as holders. Take former Texas Tech kicker Alex Trelika.
1: So I had three different holders. My retro freshman year was one of the backup kickers. And then the next two years was the punter, the starting punter Alex. Who so it was always really good because, I mean, we spent so much time together. We were good buddies. And then my senior year was Danny Amendola was my holder.
0: That's right. Two-time Super Bowl champion wide receiver. Danny Amendola, held for Trelika when they were both seniors.
1: That was a little different because I didn't get a lot of reps with him. When Danny was a holder, I only got live reps with him really during special teams period, which was not very long. Maybe five or six live kicks for field goal during special teams period. That was interesting, but he was very consistent as a holder. It didn't really matter, I guess, that, that there was that many live reps because he was just very consistent.
0: The more I thought about it, the more the idea made sense to me. Lou Groza Award winner Art Carmody had a similar experience.
1: My college coach was an offensive guy, and he always liked the thought process of a receiver because they have good hands, and then also the ability to fake if something happened with a bad snap and he wanted to run a fake, you know, the whole receiver was the ability of him, you know, doing something if there was a bad snap, I think that was always a thought process behind it.
0: That coach was Bobby Petrino, but the name of his holder might be even more surprising.
1: Terry Douglas, who was a starting wide receiver in the NFL for I think ten plus years, and he did a fantastic job.
0: Douglas played nine years in the NFL for the Atlanta Falcons and Tennessee Titans. The sample size is obviously incredibly small, but I find it fascinating that those two, both receivers, had the best pro careers of anyone who I heard about that held in college
1: snappers, when they get the ball ready to snap, they usually haven't figured out how many revolutions of the football it takes for the ball to get right to the holder, to where the holder already has the laces out, they just have to put it down. One problem with having a wide receiver is their first thought process is to reach out and grab the ball, because that's what they're taught to do as a receiver, is to go catch it, go get it. So he would reach out a lot of times and not catch the ball at the right spot to where the laces were out, so he had to spin it a lot.
0: Not only that, but starters like Douglas and Amendola played and got hit a lot. Leaving someone like Trelika to wonder.
1: But if he got hurt and he could come out and hold for you. As a member of I, like I couldn't even tell you who the backup holder was my senior year and then I never really think about it. But at the time we didn't really do many practice reps at all with the backup. So that was probably the biggest thing is this if he got hurt, who was gonna hold? How would that operation be since there was so little practice doing it?
0: There's a reason receivers aren't often tasked with holding duties but that doesn't mean they can't do it, especially at the college level. But no matter what position the holder plays, there's one thing they have to
1: do. Part of the job is also to be there for the kicker. It is a very difficult job the ball out of somebody else's hand not knowing is it going to be perfectly set up for you so there's a trust factor and i think that i did spend a lot of time working with the kickers that i helped for
0: barker's words held true especially for kicker brad craddock on the biggest kick of his lou groza award-winning season his 43-yard game winner against penn state from chapter one
2: my holders just like gives me a high five and gives me a reminder like uh he's like swing your arm, stay straight, just so calm, so collected and it was like nothing
1: was any different and he just completely put me back into where we were supposed to be and what we were
2: supposed to do. So he was great in that moment and the rest was history. The biggest kick
0: of Craddock's career, which in turn helped him achieve the highest kicking honor in college football, was thanks in part to a reliable holder. That story brings me back to Brian Barker's fourth and final rule.
1: Even though they high five you after every exit point in field goals, you have to be ready. And don't take it personally when they make that game winner and you go to high five and then they're, they're running halfway on field celebrating. Just leave you hanging. You got to enjoy that game winner and walk off the air, watch the crowd get crazy.
0: As the crowd is going crazy and the guy you just held for is celebrating like a hero, it's a holder and long snapper's job to blend into the crowd. The good ones are secure enough in themselves to know what they did.
1: It was amazing to stand there after that happened in the middle of the field and watch Arrowhead Stadium absolutely erupting with joy and celebration and noise. First time early I got to see that from a different perspective. I wasn't the one that was going to celebrate. I was just the holder, and that that was truly special to be part of that.
0: Coming up next time on Locked On Presents Through the Uprights, most of a kicker's career is spent on the sideline. What do they do with all that time? And an exploration of the game winning kick.
1: I call sideline behavior and there certainly is sideline behavior that varies from here to kicker, but it really is a focus on your next kick and not getting too emotionally involved in the game.
2: This is conversations I have during the week with my guys, my coaches. This is has already been agreed, agreed upon. This is not some, we're not winging this. This was not just, Morton's going to do this now. Morton's going to do that. It's pretty much etched in stone.
1: And he goes, looky, yeah, I love this, but we make 10,000 if you make this kick and 5,000 if you miss it. So make this kick for a this.
2: Cannot, cannot explain it brother it was uh, divine intervention call it what you will it, it was just it was crazy like this revelation you know almost like uh wow a higher power put me here today to do this and i'm going to do it
0: through the uprights is reported edited and sound designed by cole weinstein for the locked on podcast network thank you for listening